Hello and welcome to a Tisket Tasket podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today you guys will hear the final part, part two of my interview with Steve Browd. If you haven't, please check out part one, otherwise this interview won't make much sense. But I get to interview the famous Steve Browd, who is the creator of the Roud Folk Sock Index Dumper, which is an index of folk dance and folk songs that I use to, well, talk about nursery rhymes and index my nursery rhymes. I use this in conjunction with Opie and Opie's method of referencing nursery rhymes by their first line, but I really do think Roud is the way to go. And I had such a wonderful time interviewing Steve Roud. He's such a wonderful man. And again, if you're listening, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Stay tuned and enjoy the weirdness nursery rhymes welcome to the enchanting world of nursery rhymes where childhood memories and timeless tales intertwine join us on the a tisket tasket podcast as we embark on a delightful journey through the rich history and captivating origins of beloved nursery rhymes tune in for an exploration that will delight nursery rhyme enthusiasts and folklore aficionados alike. And now your host, Gina. One of your questions was going to be the is the future. Yeah. In that, you know, I'm 75, so I, I have a limited future. I hope, this, the plan is that some library will take it over. I doubt, I doubt if there is a, a person who would be as dedicated as me to spend the rest, you know, another, the next 50 years doing it. There could be a committee. There mm-hmm. could be a bunch of people. Trouble is, all my, most of my friends are the same age as me, or some of them are even older. So... The plan is, and this is what my daughter knows because she's a librarian, is that if nobody wants to take it over, then it would go to the Vaughan Williams Memorial Library. They will have to maintain it, even if they don't increase it, as it were, you know, so that it doesn't just disappear. Mm-hmm. If they could just keep it up on their website forever, that's the start. And every now and again, somebody will pop up and say, oh, I've just indexed. You know, I'm doing a thesis on, you know, so-and-so collector. I've done an index. Do you want that? Can we add that? So I think it will. I think it will survive because it's become, this is what I wanted, it's become embedded in the research. Uh, Most books on folk song now over here, the ones on traditional song, will include my numbers. You know, if if you're putting a song in your book, you don't have to have a head note which says, you can also find this in so-and-so and in so-and-so and in so-and-so. You just have to say Route 42 and anybody can find those that information. So hopefully the system is now embedded enough that it will have to survive because otherwise all of those references make no sense at all. Absolutely. You know, if, if you can't check what Route 42 is, then there's no point in telling people. So I hope that somebody like the Vaughan Williams Library will keep it going i mean it would be possible for me to you know at the 
at the click of a button, I can isolate all the American entries. So it's possible that the American Folk Life Center might want the American stuff. It's possible that Irish Traditional Music Archive might want the Irish stuff. That's that's feasible. But you know, if it's after my time, it'll be after my daughter to police that. <laughs> basically, not sure she knows it, but that's the idea. <laughs> well, I certainly hope it stays together because my original when I when I sat down knew nothing. I hadn't realized that most nursery rhymes were of English origin. And so I, you know, quickly got into that. But I really hope it all of your work stays cohesive because just like me as a brand new researcher, I found myself dipping into all these different cultures when I didn't even intend for that. I, I hope it sticks together. <laughs> one of one of the problems though, again, to be an index nerd for a moment, is that the more you put in, the better it is. Because you know, obviously it's giving you access to more stuff, but the harder it is to make it easy to use. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, when there was 15,000 records in there, you know, you, you typed in it and you got four four hits for a particular song. That's manageable. Whereas when you're going to get 400 hits, which you will for songs like Barbara Allen mm-hmm. or, or in the Gypsy Laddie, people then say, oh, I can't deal with that, you know. And you say, well, actually, if you narrow your search and you can already see that people's eyes are glazing over because we yes. live in the google age but google has taught us you just type something in and it finds it mm-hmm. and you say well if you put in barbara allen round 54 child 84 then if you put in usa as well you'll narrow it down to because that's what you're interested in it's just that you hadn't thought i'm interested in the usa in other words, you have to teach people to use it, and that's what makes it harder for beginners. Absolutely. I mean, you're 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 interested enough to work at it to think, oh, well, how else can I narrow this down? You know, I've got five thousand ring a ring of rosies. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Oh, I'll just try look for the English ones. I'll try for the early ones. I'll sort them into date order. Right. This type of thing. Yeah, you know how to do it. <clears throat> most people don't mm-hmm. and they don't want to know <laughs> right. exactly and it can be really frustrating for even people who are passionate about it because they don't know how to even begin to think about how to to narrow it down and back to the to the basic question of why it exists is again the librarianship idea of getting control of the information bibliographic control used to be called in the days of books in other words you are the portal you're the facilitator for people to find information whatever it is they're looking for yeah whether they want to know how to look after their goldfish or you know how to feed their pet or you know whatever it is they're asking it's the librarian's job to say oh that's that's your question okay here it is in the old days, walk in the library, you could either browse the shelves or you could say to the librarian, where are your books on American history? And they say, there, here you are, start with this one. In other words, it's that information role that is the basis to my interview. It's the basis to any index. 
giving people access to that information. I get a kick out of that, and I think it's important in in the modern world. Okay, the, the internet has has vastly changed things. You know, you don't need to have a shelf of reference books because they are all on the internet. But somebody still has to index that in Google or whatever. You yeah. still have to have some way of finding out that information. So I I like folk songs. I think they're interesting. I think they're important. I know there are people who who want to find them, that want to sing them, want to research them, and so on. So it's my job to help them to do that because I'm I'm an expert on information, but I've also become an expert in the subject. I'm an expert on folk song just because I've read every folk song. Get <laughs> like you're an expert now on on um, nursery rhymes so what was i saying yeah that's the that's the importance is that it gives people access to the thing that i'm that i that we care about and again it's important that it works at all levels if you're looking for a song i want the words of the gypsy laddie then you can find it but once you've lost, got a lot of data in there, you can start asking other questions. Where was Gypsy Laddie collected? Why was it so popular in Texas, but not in Saskatchewan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I mean. Um, what songs were sung by women in England around 1900? In other words, you can start doing research. It's the same data you're using, but you're just using it in a, in a different way. So I think that again, that's that's the first importance is just getting access to the stuff. That's what it's all about. But the second is get enough information in there. You can ask questions that you couldn't ask before. You couldn't say, what's the most popular folk song collected? in england because you couldn't read all of the books you, you couldn't even find this all the versions of the song but we can start saying that there's always caveats there's always ah when you say most popular you mean the ones that the collectors thought were worth collecting because there are other really popular songs that they didn't like so they didn't collect them so you don't know they were popular right <laughs> but that's that's historical research you always have to question your your sources your evidence but you know things like quantifying you know what songs were collected and when they were collected has the tradition changed over the 50 years 100 years you can't ask those questions until you've got big data mm -hmm. so i think that's the next importance of it is that because of its size and the fact that it does cover England and Ireland and Scotland and America, you can start asking questions. So it's a research tool, is what I'm saying, basically. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a finding tool, but it's also a research tool. One of the things I say about indexes is that if an index works well, the user uses it and moves on. They take no notice they don't say wow that was a good index it made me find what i wanted 
they just look it up, page 42, page 42. If it's a bad index, everybody criticizes you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so you don't become an indexer if you've got a thing. <laughs> um, because the a bad index sort sort of starts to get in the way of research, mm -hmm. whereas a good index facilitates it. Having no index at all is the worst scenario. I mean, let's face it, everything in life should be properly indexed. Oh, absolutely. In alphabetical order, we should know where we stand on, on all things. But that, you know, can't work on that yet. Yep. As much as we try. One time at a time. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Your yeah. discussion reminded me, I in another life, I worked with farmers on an organization that they are chestnut farmers and walnut farmers here in the United States. I know that may not seem like it has any connection with folk song, but one of the one of my friends used the word stewardship of information. And what you were talking about really reminded me of that is this idea of being stewards of information and teaching others on how to access it and, and why it's important to use. And so that yeah. really yeah. made me call it like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice phrase actually stewardship it sounds yeah cool. it's yeah. Still, it sounds like the proper like the proper way of describing things i think but yes that's that's very good so i guess one of the questions that we haven't covered here is well you you talked a little bit about how do you see the index helping other folklore i really love the idea of the idea of a good index you don't you don't notice but if it's a bad index you're talking about it but so i did ask do you do you see it expanding to include more than fish folk song, which you talked a little bit about other index that have been inspired by this, but can you talk a little bit more about that? So we have so much on folklore that we want to index and we, we want to get organized. How do you see your index inspiring that? Well, to answer the first question, would I include other things? And the answer is no, basically because I don't have time. <laughs> right. You know, it, the the folk song corpus is going to see me out without a doubt. If I stopped now and started including stories, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, folk tales, for every folk tale I index, that's one song that doesn't get indexed. So, in other words, I'm the song man. If you want to do folk tales, you go and do it. Yes. <laughs> um, folk tales is a good example in a way because there is already a sort of motif index. Some things have numbers. There are tale types. So. That already has a certain amount of structure. So there are databases of folk tales. And other parts of folklore, like you know, superstitions or customs and so on. I, I have dabbled in it. I did because of my interest in mummers' plays. In fact, I was doing a mummers' play index at the same time as my folk song index years, years ago. But again, it just got set aside. I do, I do get asked by people who are doing other, I mean, we haven't even talked about the music of, of the song. Absolutely, yes. My index is based on the text. That's how you compare two songs. It's not whether the tune is the same, because mm -hmm. the same tune could be sung, you know, the same song can be sung to all sorts of tunes. It's the text. But people who want to do the tunes, I do advise them as to say, you know, well, this is the way I do things. It's not necessarily the proper way, but it, you know, think about so and so. You may not have thought of so and so. 
so I sort of act as an advisor to people doing other kinds of index, kinds of other kinds of folklore. But of course, each one, each type of folklore genre will have its own problems. Absolutely. Of, de of definition, of where to find it, and how to control it. So nursery rhymes can be fitted into the folk song model, more or less. You know, a nursery rhyme is metrical, you know, it, it's a rhyme, it has meter it usually rhymes <laughs> sometimes it even has a tune in other words it is a type of song i include children's rhymes mm -hmm. uh, like ring ring roses if they are sort of a song whereas i don't index children's games that don't have a verbal part to them mm -hmm. you know, like what would you call tig or tag, mm -hmm. tag? yeah there's millions of games of tag, and I would love to index those. But if they don't have a rhyme attached to them, then I can't fit them into my song model, as it were. So the answer is no, it, it can't really be expanded. But the principles can be applied to any kind of folklore, if you like. What it boils down to is who, what, who, what, where, when? Mm -hmm. Who did it? What did they do? Where did they do it? When did they do it? So the, the four W's, who, what, where, when. There is also why and how. They're a lot harder. A lot harder. <laughs> so there's the six W's, except one of them is an H. Who, what, where, when, why and how. But the who, what, where, when is the basis of of our kind of indexing because we are interested in what the rhyme was but also when was it yes does it go back to the plague or was it you know was it still being said in 1975 was it being said in america but not in england or vice versa where did it come from so who what where when is what it really what it boils down to now that's very difficult for superstitions. Yes. Yeah. You you would have to sort of tweak a lot of it to work out how to how to index a superstition. One thing to remember about my index is that it's not a subject index. And I would love to do a subject index for folk songs. Because a lot of the questions are, you know, what's that song about? Mm-hmm. So and so, you know, or, yeah, my mum used to sing it. It was about so and so, or I'm doing a program about colour in folklore. Which songs have colour in them? <laughs> That's a whole entire other life work. That's well, what I always, I always tell my friends because they always bring up such interesting questions. I'm like, I don't have enough time to dedicate my life to this. I've already started on this route. I mean, there, there's a hell of a lot to do, even, even in our narrow world of nursery rhymes and and folk song there's several lifetimes of, of research but hopefully what we are doing what you're doing in your way what i'm doing in my way is laying the groundwork for the next generation well you are the next generation as far as i'm concerned <laughs> to follow on and to use because we all stand on the shoulders you know i stand on the shoulders of Cecil sharp child with the ballads other people's books and stuff the next generation we use my index 
and they'll wonder, they'll say, what is this round? Who is this Steve Round? They'll find this blog out there and they'll say, oh, well, that's who he was. Yes. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Well, I was just really excited, excuse me for saying this, to, to see that you were still alive because I've been researching Opie and Opie and all these people and they've been dead. And I'm like, I can't ask him the million questions I have. So I was I was absolutely excited to see that you were willing to talk to me because I'm like, oh, he's still working on this. <laughs> I've had more than, more than one student say to me, Roud, I thought you were dead. <laughs> Obviously, I should be. Yeah, because child is dead, Laws is dead. Yes, Opie's are dead. Yes, yes, yes. The Opie's now. I did know. I never met Peter Opie, but I mm -hmm. I met Iona mm -hmm. uh, a few times. I have some of. I have her card index of when they were working Ooh, on the wow. singing game book and, and so on. So yeah, we, we are all in a sort of chain of enthusiasts. Research. Yes, so we all build on the ones before. Absolutely. And we could spend a whole other hour talking about how the internet has helped and will hinder that. But I have been very lucky. I went to my first folklore conference last November and to be able to meet some of the, those other enthusiastic people who are, who are willing to help and willing to give advice. I guess I will end today with one more question is, what pieces of advice would you give someone like me, some a new scholar to the field who um, is interested in maybe maybe not necessarily starting an index, but starting to catalog and organize uh, pieces of folklore work. <laughs> well, if, if, you know, if you're getting interested in, in, in folklore in particular, um, I would say you've got to be evidence-based because there's speculation all over the place in our particular field in a way that, that doesn't exist in, in other fields because folklore is such an easy entry level. Absolutely why we like it um, but it's very it's so easy so i would say be evidence-based be methodical and be skeptical and you know keep your enthusiasm you know i love your enthusiasm and i, I love the fact that you do actually go back to halliwell and you know and mm -hmm. the opie and and so on but in folklore you really do have to be skeptical because there's an awful lot of Miss and disinformation. However interesting that disinformation is, you've got to. Be, yes, absolutely. Be clear-headed yourself. You've got to have a grounding in historical, because even if you're doing modern folklore, modern you know stuff that's still there, it's folklore because it's been there for a while. Otherwise, it's just popular culture. Yes. If it doesn't have roots in, of some degree. And so we're always looking at the roots. Nothing, nothing comes from nothing. Um, so you have to have a historical head on your shoulders, weighing up the evidence, looking at, you know, reading round the subject, all of that stuff that historians do. Um, if you're interested in indexing or getting control of the stuff, again, you've got to be methodical. You've got to spend the, the time just doing it because it's by doing it that you learn about it if if, if, if everything's handed to you on a plate somebody else has done the work then you don't really learn it's the process of doing it that makes you learn as it were that, that teaches you I'm not sure any of this is making sense 
Oh, it does. It's it's a lot of what I've repeated to my very, my freshman English writers, actually. What you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I think it's, it's true. I mean, it's true in life, perhaps. I don't know. But it, it is, you're going to get back what you put in, as it were. And the more you put in, the more you're going to get from it. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, you know, if, if you want to start indexing, my advice is, don't. <laughs> 70, in my case, 1970 is what, 50, 30, 54 years ago. 54 years later, you'll be saying, oh, I wish I hadn't started this. <laughs> it sounds so familiar. Yes, it sounds so familiar. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Get somebody else to do it for you. Thank you for listening to a Tisket Tasket podcast. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. If you found value in today's content, please share with others and consider leaving a review. Also, follow Gina on all social media platforms, and we'll see you next time.